Start the thing. Hey, listeners, you're listening to yet another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together and talk about a horror movie and recently watched. We'll talk about that first. We'll try not to spoil that, but the featured attraction, we're going to go ahead and spoil it. So beware. And we're not professional critics. That's going to be really obvious. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Find the music on Amazon or Apple Music where you can buy it digitally or say hello to them on Facebook where they are the moon dash rays. We are your hosts. I am Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Good evening. And Will. Hello. So guys, (laughs) uh, because of my uh, inability to make Zoom work, uh, we're recording this kind of on the day it normally drops. Mm -hmm. So... um, more time to meditate on the things we've watched. What have you recently watched, guys? Who wants to kick it off? It will. Um, not much that's different. Finished up True Detective Season 1. Yeah, tell us. Um, I really liked it, although I felt, and, and uh, Eugenia too, uh, we both felt that the last episode kind of took a turn. Um it went from um, kind of a gritty contemporary police procedural show to a sort of Southern Gothic show in the last episode. Um, it was kind of a weird turn. Hmm. I really enjoyed this series, and I think McConaughey and uh, and uh, Woody Harrelson um, uh, did a fantastic job couldn't couldn't be better um but there were and and i thought the show was really good but there were occasionally moments that came up that were really sort of broad uh tropey characters there was a uh institutionalized teenage girl who uh freaks out when he mentions something and starts screaming. Um, and there's an old black lady they go to visit who has, you know, some tie to the crime and she starts freaking out and saying something. And they both, both of those characters and to a lesser extent, maybe one or two, but those two really stuck out like sore thumbs, uh, uh, watching this, this whole show. Um, made me wish they had been a little more nuanced or maybe had done something completely different. They had other people that were fine. They obviously, uh, local actors, I'm guessing, um, either that or they had that accent, the Louisiana accent down pat. Um, that, that seemed like, I don't know, real people or believable characters. And, and those two that I mentioned, just like I said, really stuck out as, uh, as from something that, you know, could have been the the late '80s, they, you know, and and with the the switch at the end, it went from a contemporary procedural, like I said, to kind of Angel Heart, which everybody <laughs> loves. Angel Heart, it's a sure. fantastic movie. Um, <laughs> uh, if a movie was ever a guilty pleasure, Angel Heart is it. Well, yeah, I haven't seen that in ages. <laughs> oh, I it's it's tawdry and kind of awful but and sweaty. at the same time enjoyable oh it's <laughs> such a sweaty movie I, I've, yeah, that I've was... only seen that on the big screen and it was really impressive level of atmosphere yeah oh the, yeah the atmosphere is fantastic it's one of those movies a lot like uh, I'm getting off on a tangent here Buffalo 66 where 
it works in spite of itself. Uh, a lot of the parts shouldn't work, but something about it all together, you know, uh, it's more than the sum of its parts, I guess. Who, who could um, get away with, uh, a, with a nickname like Lucifer? I know, exactly. <laughs> That's so corny. The whole movie should be derailed by that. Uh, and then you have a lot of other things working against it. Um, but no, the movie works. It's it's a, it's a strange one. Mm -hmm. It's one of those that, uh, like I like I said, Buffalo '66. I really enjoyed it, but it shouldn't work. It's not not a good movie. I don't know. Um, there's others out there. I should make a list of you know my top ten movies that you know shouldn't work but do. Um, then we watched more uh, Discovery. We're into season two. I'm not feeling season two as much as season one. I feel it's a, a little uh, disjointed, but I'm only about four episodes in. It's, uh, yeah, I, I instantly like the uh, Captain Pike. Yeah, I really like Captain Pike. Uh, it's another instance of a show where I like all the characters, and I don't dislike the main character, but I like all the characters, the other characters, more than the main character. Um, <laughs> There's often shows, ensemble shows like that. Uh, yeah. Orange is the New Black is probably the best example I can think of, whereas I, I even disliked the main character, but stayed watching because I liked mm. everybody else. <laughs> yeah, we, we watched uh, Batwoman series, and so they're kind of bringing back the first one. Um, yeah, we'll see how that comes out. It's, it's gotten better. The The second season started out really ropey, just astonishingly bad writing. Uh, but it, it's gotten a lot better. I think they've uh, they found their stride more of it. Yeah, uh, I but, find... Uh, yeah, I find Cameron. Discovery kind of... Uh, uh, at least these first few episodes of season two uh, have a sense of maybe over self-correction like maybe they listened to some of the fan complaints from season one and have steered to the left or into the curb but a little too much and uh and i'm not sure it, it seems uh a little uneven mm -hmm. uh, but i'm sure they'll find their footing i hope um anyway uh that's about it for me i've watched crap on youtube but i can't remember any of it um i forgot to mention last week i watched uh i started watching wyatt cenac's show on hbo who's that uh wyatt cenac's problem areas he's a comedian who used to uh do spots on the daily show he wrote for king of the hill <clears throat> um bunch of shows uh, it's a little bit like John Oliver's show, if you're familiar with it. I believe John Oliver is an executive producer, in fact. Um, so it's a comedy. I'm putting that in quotes um, because it's much like John Oliver's show. It's not overly funny. It's not like The Daily Show because they tend to stick, or they always do, they try to stick to actual topics fairly serious ones and there's only so many jokes you can safely make about those subjects so uh but still it's a pretty good show he he mentions at some point in the show he's like i hope you're not binging this because it's pretty depressing so yeah maybe i only watch one week um that wraps it up for me other than uh peninsula wow Julian, you want to go next? Um, well, I watched uh, they, uh, TCM had a Plan 9 double bill. Uh, nice. Plan 9 from outer space. They, the, they must be the new restored edition. It looked great. I mean, like, like Plan 9 can look great. It, it's uh, You can see all the seams. Uh, it's beautiful quality uh, film. Um uh, but before that, they had uh, Dana Gould's uh, Plan 9 table read uh, with him and his buddies. And it, and it was done via Zoom. I think it was done for a uh, San Francisco comedy festival last year. Yeah, Sketchfest. Yeah. And uh, so it had a whole bunch of talented people doing several voices each. And uh, 
Uh, that, was, that was quite fun. Um, let's see. Uh, I finished up uh, doing a uh, art project for some upcoming Blu-ray releases and uh, listened to a whole bunch of um, stuff on online like radio shows and things. Uh, Richard might be interested. Uh, WFMU has this uh, show called uh, Stop Hitting Yourself, which is basically uh, novelty songs. But they do uh, theme episodes sometimes. So one episode was entirely uh, conspiracy songs. So it started out with a whole bunch of songs about JFK. Uh, there's a bunch of songs about 9-11. Um, uh, yeah, it was something. Uh, I'll give you a link to it if you're, if you're interested. Definitely. And they've done three episodes uh, just about UFO songs. Now, you don't have an older brother, so maybe you're not familiar with the concept of uh, stop hitting yourself or why are you hitting yourself? Uh, yeah, I've seen it's like a school thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, where a bigger, stronger person takes your arm and makes you hit yourself in the face. Yeah, if you go to the uh, the homepage, they have a gif of uh, Captain Kirk hitting himself <laughs> uh, from, from the original show. Um, yeah, but uh, I'll send you a link to those if you're interested. Definitely. Um, okay. I finished reading uh, Monsters by Barry Windsor Smith, which is the new... Oh, uh, excellent. It's, it's, it's this graphic novel. It's a real novel. 360-something uh, pages uh, he's been working on for, what, three or four decades? Yeah, 35 years, I think. Um, it's, a, it's a masterpiece, really. Um, I, I don't want to spoil the ending, um, but the, the storytelling is is fantastic. Just, uh, you know, it's got a bit of innovation in there. and um, But it's uh, it, it is something else. It gets really dark. Got to warn you, it gets really dark. And you're like, oh, my God, can I carry on with this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um so that was really good, and I uh, watched uh, I watched a flying saucer movie from the fifties called Supersonic Saucer. Um, this was uh, Britain. We used to make a bunch of um, films expressly for children, and they go out as supporting features or parts of uh, parts of uh, occasions. And uh, so, Supersonic Saucer is one of them. That, you know, they're made very cheaply. Um, it's almost 50 minutes long and it's about this uh, Venusian who uh, uh, when they're young Venusians are taught to uh, turn themselves into flying saucers and fly about the place and he gets kind of lost and ends up on earth and uh, helps out some some children um, and he, he it, like all the flying saucer stuff is done with like uh, cell animation and rotoscoping Lots of repetition, and then the actual alien is the is is this uh, hand puppet, and the only thing that moves is his eyes, and sometimes he cries. Uh, but yeah, it's quite charming. Um, I, I love that period, British uh, mid fifties. Um, and I watched uh, Shadow in the Cloud, which is a movie from last year, directed by Roseanne Lang, starring. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, so this is a New Zealand film about a, uh, a bomber making a run in the uh, off of the uh, off, off somewhere off the north coast of Australia, and um, so uh, they're having to dodge. Uh, they're not expecting Japanese patrols that far south, but uh, some Japanese turn up anyway, and. Uh, but she's, uh, she's gotten herself on board and she's carrying this super valuable secret package and she won't tell anyone what's in it and she claims to be this secret agent and uh, other things are going on and there's a supernatural element as well and it pretty much tells you at the start that there's going to be a gremlin somewhere along the line. Uh, you, could, you could pretty much take the gremlin out of this movie and it'll follow the same course. Because <laughs> um, they get into so much trouble anyway, with all, you know the, all the regular war things going on. Um, but really, really, it, uh, if you're a fan of her, then it's 
definitely recommend because it just focuses on her. Uh, the a uh, few minutes into the movie, they stash her away into the uh, into the belly turret of the bomber, so that she's out of the way. And the camera just stays with her. It doesn't, you know, there's a few uh, few shots of outside, but uh, apart from that, there's a there's a lengthy lengthy section of the film where it's just her and this this belly turret hanging over space. Um, so if, if you like her, then it's good for that. It's uh, it gets really ridiculous, like Bollywood level ridiculous <laughs> uh, towards the end. Uh, there's lots of different tone tonalities and uh, levels of realism going on. Uh, it doesn't come together, but uh, you know it's quite fun. I see you have a little dog there. Yeah, Birdie just is kind of a ham, so she had to Birdie? jump. Yeah, jump up and see what we're talking about. Yeah, she's... Um, so that's everything I saw anyway. Awesome. Um, for me, uh, most recently, and I won't... This is funny how often I do this. It must be like comfort food. Um, I watched uh, about two-thirds of 1978 Halloween and all of Night of the Living Dead <laughs> last night. <laughs> I had some <laughs> some hours to myself, and it's just like... I actually didn't look at or do anything except watch night of living dead. I just watched it straight through Yeah. trying to watch for the restored scenes. Okay. Um, cause that's available on HBO max and, uh, will you've got my copy of it. If you haven't watched it, you should, it is really clean. Um, which one, the restoration of night of living dead. Oh Criterion. yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I watched that and then about two thirds of Halloween um, and you know, I can watch those movies over and over, obviously, cause I have, um, but most recently stuff that wasn't Halloween or night of the living dead. I watched, uh, um, those who would wish me dead. This is a new one with Angelina Jolie and, uh, it's got the guy from 28 days later in it. So that's cool. And, uh, John Bernthal from night of living or from, uh, walking dead. Um, this, uh, it, it's kind of slow pitch right up the middle. It's like uh, stuff you would expect from a kind of drama kind of action movie. And it's about a, um, it's about a kid who's sort of the last survivor who has witnessed some murder stuff. Um, I think his dad's a forensic accountant and knows what some people have done. And now some assassins are coming to try and kill the dad and then anyone else, which would include the kid. And now they're on the run. The kid is on the run. Spoilers. Um, the dad does get assassinated pretty early in the movie. And Angelina Jolie is this uh, kind of uh, off the rails, plays by her own rules, smoke jumper who's been assigned to a, uh, a fire tower. And for any listeners who aren't familiar, they have very high towers in the mountains and, and woods where people just watch for forest fires so they can report them. And she comes across this kid and tries to help him out and the assassins are coming. And her ex-boyfriend, who's a sheriff, is uh, in a hostage situation with these two assassins. And it goes as you would expect and you can pretty much guess most of what's going to happen. Um you know, big budget blockbuster kind of a thing. I don't know how it's doing at the cinema, but it's simultaneously available on um, HBO Max. So we watched that. Um, very recently, I watched a documentary. I was always curious, like, what did happen with John DeLorean? The guy who created the famous stainless steel car. And so I watched this sort of pseudo documentary called Framing John DeLorean and it's about how he ended up in the trouble he ended up in um, and where, you know, where he got to start and how he got this idea sort of off the ground building this car. And um, Alec Baldwin does the reenactment scenes as John DeLorean and he does a really good job, <laughs> but they do, they intercut a bunch of behind the scenes stuff with him, uh, you know, talking and getting the makeup done and everything. It's a, uh, it's a pretty good, um, uh, I'll just call it a documentary because it, it mostly is that. Docudrama? 
yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a dramatic docudrama combo thing. So it's um, this is uh, from just last year, I believe, 2019, actually. Um, and let's see, I <laughs> I found uh, this is really great. I found out that a movie I'd always sort of wondered from the time I was a kid. I think we were at my grandma's house and some uh, Saturday or Sunday afternoon creature feature was on. And I remember this guy whose brain had been just destroyed came and sort of showed up at a door and someone opens it up and he's just sort of blathering like, and just sort of stumbles in. And I was like, Oh, what was that movie? Like something obviously sucked his brain out or something. And uh, I watched on me TV on Sven fiend without a face from 1958. And, uh, this one is about a, uh, a scientist who's experimenting with uh, telekinesis and he, um, and there's some funny business going on with the nearby nuclear power plant. And, uh, he creates a new form of life, which, uh, spoilers for this one. It's a brain with like a tail that just sort of slinks around and it grows in intelligence but it escapes the lab and then it, and it, uh, gets close to the nuclear power source and it grows even more powerful. And it, I think it just sort of survives by sucking people's brains. Uh, multiplies. yeah, yeah. And it multiplies. There's a bunch of them slinking around. So you've seen this and it was weird to like, I've been wondering about this movie since I was about seven or eight. It's like, when am I going to see that movie again with the guy whose brain gets sucked out? Um, there's some kind of not the living dead style action. Yeah, yeah, it's some lumbering, you know, and boarded up windows. Yeah, you got all that going on, and uh, you know that, that I like a conspiracy and I like a mystery, so I watched a documentary um, about uh, the. It's called the mystery of DB Cooper. Are you familiar with this case, Julian? He's the fellow who jumped out of a plane over the northwest somewhere. Yeah, disappeared. Yeah, jumped out of a jet. You know, like. Uh, Whatever's slightly smaller than a 737, I'm guessing a 727. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> if they go in tens. <laughs> Point seven three seven. It's a point. It's a really tiny plane. <laughs> so he jumped off of a glider. Uh, anyway, so uh, D.B. Cooper, for any listeners who aren't familiar, was just this dude that got on a plane back in like, what, 1972, I want to say? Um, back when you could just buy a ticket and walk onto a plane and they usually wouldn't even look at your luggage, which is crazy to think that more crap didn't happen before it happened. Um, he, uh, has been identified by several different people. And in this documentary, four different people who have said, no, that was my uncle or that was my neighbor slash friend, or that was my dad. Well, of the four people who they kind of bounce back and forth between, at least three of you are wrong. Or, you know, maybe just two if, if your D.B. Cooper dad, uncle, um, transsexual neighbor, whoever, um, you know, maybe they lived a double life. So they could have maybe covered two of those bases. But um, for the most part, um, for the most part, uh, you know, you, you got to figure that either someone was having a having a good time with their deathbed stuff. Uh, I think two of the four, like we're saying something on their deathbed. It's like, why would you say that if it wasn't true? That's just a terrible thing to do as your last words. Um, <laughs> it's hey, of, it's a way to go out. Yeah. It keeps people talking about you. Yeah Dana, yeah, Dana Gould has a joke about that where he's going to try and time it just perfectly to go, the gold is buried at the... Uh. Exactly. <laughs> so, you, ought, you ought to do it like in the movies. They'll go, the gold is buried at the... The gold is buried at the... It's buried at the... Stop repeating yourself. Just right. say Just say it already. Just give me a noun. Come on. Yeah. So uh, I never told you. <laughs> so if you find the db cooper mystery uh exciting at all uh one of the things that's covered really well is the packs of money that were discovered 
And that makes me think that this one woman who said that the deathbed confession thing, that one might be the one because uh, she talks about how, you know, her, her dead husband, when he was alive, uh, took her on this road trip and they went up to the place where, you know, he said, well, this is where that D.B. Cooper guy walked out of the woods and he was pointing out all these things and they just kind of went on this little tour from where they lived up to this area in the Northwest and uh, she said that they got a motel and he kind of takes off for a, a little hike on his own for a while, comes back pretty muddy, pretty dirty. And then uh, at some point he throws a paper bag that's all wadded up into the river near the motel. And she kind of freaked out because, you know, they both wouldn't litter. That's just littering was not their thing. And then a separate story that we've all known for years, I, I want to say this was in 1978, um, some kid found a bunch of packs of money um, in the sand on the banks of a river, the same river. And so when they kind of match up those timelines, they're like, well, here's the problem. The, um, all the sediment, they know precisely where some geological events had happened right around the time of the D.B. Cooper disappearance. And uh, he hijacked the plane and then they landed somewhere. He got all this money in a big sack. They recorded all the serial numbers. Um, then they took off and he parachuted out before it got to its next destination. Okay, so they know when all this happened. Uh, this money was found uh, not buried that deep. It was just sort of washed into the sand and it, it, there would have had to been some digging had it been deposited on the banks of this river uh, that many years previous. So that kind of lends some credence to that story. So that one is really neat. If you like that, uh, the mystery of DB Cooper, um, that's a 2020 movie. And then for fun, I watched Hellfest. Uh, it's like, Oh, it's got Tony Todd in it. I'll watch this thing. I'll give it a shot. It's another one of those people getting picked off uh, brutally in a haunt. I think that's kind of a new thing. It's not really new. Yeah, there was a couple last year, wasn't there? Yeah, there was haunt. Um, I shouldn't say it's a new thing. It's sort of a revived idea. So, yeah, Hellfest, uh, it is what you expect. This is from 2018. It's available on uh, Shudder, I think. I think that's where I watched it. It's, it was either Shudder or HBO Max. And... Uh, it's got some good stalking, good suspense, good, you know, terrible kills, but it's just another mean-spirited people getting picked off kind of movie. So if you're in the mood for that kind of thing and, you know, watching people walk through a haunt, because none of us are going to be able to walk through haunts uh, safely anyway. Uh, so another one just for fun, and you guys might appreciate this one. Um, uh, have you ever heard of the Bunny Man Massacre movies? Okay, so I've no. seen, I've seen previews of this, and it's like, oh, it's a guy in a big like mascot like Easter Bunny costume, just killing people with like a variety of different sharp objects. Uh, so usually an axe or a chainsaw. And I saw that they had uh, Bunny Man Grindhouse Edition. So I'm like, what do you mean? I better give you a look. It's a re-release of the 2011. Bunny Man Massacre movie, um, directed by Carl Lindbergh, uh, released in 2019 with all of the scratches and pops and bad edits, which I find that very eye rolly usually, but this one, it's kind of fun because you know, they took a movie that was kind of crap and said, what if it was crap? Like in the style of a drive-in movie that's been circulating for years and it's in bad condition and, they even do the, um, like the drive-in uh, commercials for the concession stand. And they t there's a whole scene where, they, where it's overdubbed with Russian accents for just like one quick scene. Uh, so it's like the movie's been clipped back together from uh, a foreign release of it or whatever. Uh, it's actually really fun, I thought. So Bunny Man, Grindhouse Edition... Uh, that one, 
I want to say I watched it. Oh God, I don't even know anymore. I think I watched it on Hulu, either Hulu or HBO Max. I don't even know anymore. I, I just keep bouncing back and forth between these different um, streaming platforms till I find what I'm after. So for listeners who are wondering, it's a half hour into the show. When are you going to talk about Peninsula? Train to Busan presents Peninsula. How about that? Well, I recommend it. Anyway, next week. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. It's good. What do you think it's going to be? It's it's part of the Train to Busan thing. <laughs> Jolien, you picked this one. I have one. to watch the prequel. Oh, yeah. The That's animated good. thing. Yeah. Soul Station. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jolien, had you watched this when you picked it? Uh, Peninsula, yeah. I watched it on, uh, came out on DVD last year. Oh, That's cool. Where I, That's where I watched it. Did you get a chance to rewatch it? No. Uh, I just finished this project this weekend, so I, uh, and I don't, you know, just checks around. Uh, I'm not really able to watch films freely um, because I'm not alone in a house and uh, the other occupant of the house works right next to the TV, literally right next to the TV. <laughs> And uh, has a job where she talks all day. Yes. She's a career counselor. Our long-suffering wives. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as, as soon as I was done working in the basement all, all day and night, I realized that I wasn't able to do anything else. Um, so uh, I don't know how I'm going to watch movies now. Uh, but I want to. Um Anyway, I, yeah, I watched this on DVD last year, and uh, I really enjoyed it. it. Does its own? It's not like the first one. No, it doesn't try to be. Does its own thing. Um, I've seen some reviews where the um, Western critics have looked at it, and it's uh, it's obviously playing with a lot of uh, Western action tropes um, or. Uh, um, I don't know how you describe it because a lot of the action tropes are actually Australian. So George Miller, Mad Max yeah. sort of things. Um, but uh, yeah, there's like a heist movie in there. And um, so, it, yeah, it piles a lot of things in that we're familiar with from Western movies. And uh, I found the critics kind of resented that. They wished it had been more. Uh, uniquely uh, more like a Korean horror movie like the first one was. But um, I kind of like that. Uh, I don't know if, if, uh, if it would be seen differently by a, a local audience who are seeing one of their own make a big Western style action movie. Yeah. I, I can't really understand complaints when you consider how many bad action movies are out there and how many bad horror specifically zombie movies are out there. Oh God. Yeah. The amount of bad zombie movies ha has to outnumber anything between decent and good, at least 10 to one. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think I'm being um, hysterical in saying that. I think that's probably true. Uh, you could, I mean, I don't know if people just think, the audience is dumb and here's some garbage for you to consume. Enjoy yourself. I don't know if that's what they think of horror fans, but it's a, most of these movies are beneath our contempt. <laughs> if we want to talk about who's going to take the high ground here. <laughs> I mean, some of them are so bad. I just look at them and it's like, I know this is garbage. Watch the preview. It gives itself away as being really bad in the preview. Yes. And you just end up either not watching it or it's like, oh, let's see how bad it really is. And then you find out and it is right. really that bad. Uh, very seldom will you get a good surprise. But Will, I remember you were you were pleasantly surprised having given up on zombie movies when we watched Train to Busan to begin with. Yes. Yes. Uh, I thought it was kind of a fresh take. This one, uh, not as not as fresh, but I enjoyed it. Did you feel the execution of it lived up to the uh, the original? No, not not really. Uh, like I said, I thought the original was kind of a uh, clever, sort of fresh take on zombies. This felt a lot more uh, 
typical zombie movie, especially of the last, say, 20 years. Um, but that said, I didn't, I did not enjoy myself watching this. Uh, really, the only problem I had with the show was uh, I felt that the a lot of the car sequences were uh, obvious CGI, yes, and everything was really weightless, yeah, and sort of uh, rubbery at the same time. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was like watching a cutscene from a from a video game. I know people always say that, but this this really felt like that, and that was the only thing I really didn't like about it. Um, that said, the uh, the uh, the acting was good enough that, uh, and the story and all was good enough that I was willing to overlook that. It never you know threw me out completely where I was willing, you know, ah, I'm done with this. Um, but yeah, all in all, I really liked this, uh, you know, but it was not as clever as the original one. Um, and, and it was a little more typical, um, you know, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of felt like, um, like train to Busan was relying on mainly the characters, you know, as the story gets moving and literally moving on a train. Um, it relies on the characters much more than anything else. You know, like the setting doesn't matter. You're, uh, it does one thing. It, it, uh, it keeps you confined, you know, whilst moving at a high rate of speed, but it keeps you confined and that's it that you don't have to worry about anything else that it does except for have doors between cars. Uh, you know, so there's ways to trap or escape pretty simple and uh everything else is character driven and and the characters are are interesting some of them are funny some of them are loathsome some of them are just flesh-eating monsters and uh and that uh i would say is definitely the strength of train to busan this one you get that strength in a much smaller number of characters uh mainly uh the marine captain um uh, Jung Suk, I'm probably saying that totally wrong, and I apologize. Uh, he's a real, like, uh, he's a real badass. He can he can shoot anything. He can punch it out with anyone. He he can pretty much get his way out of any situation as long as he's got, you know, enough ammo. And he's he's great. You know, you want to watch this guy. He's a good action hero. He has to redeem himself as well. Yes, yes. There's a redemption yeah. arc to his character. Yes, he he has to say no to picking up these people uh, on the road. And then we get the flash forward, what is it, four years later? Mm-hmm. And uh, and here, here they are in a completely different setting, but he is recognized uh, by the people he left behind. And No, he points it out to them. She oh, didn't recognize him. She didn't? I don't believe she recognized him because she tells him 31 cars passed us that day. Right. It tells me that she didn't recognize. He was just one, another one of those people that passed them by. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's a real desperate, really scary situation for her. And when he drives away, you assume, well, he's going to be carrying this burden. That's a terrible thing. You don't expect her to come back into the story Maybe you do. Maybe you're smarter than me and you figured that out. But <laughs> but it was really cool to revisit those characters. And uh, yeah, she holds them accountable and says, you need, you need to do this. You need to help us out. And uh, the army guys uh, that had the weird Thunderdome situation going on, they were kind of two-dimensional. You expect that. And it wasn't the worst thing. Uh, did you guys like the Thunderdome situation? <clears throat> yeah, more or less. I thought it was uh, different enough to to work. Yeah, it was entertainment in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. What was <clears throat> I did? <clears throat> excuse me. I did feel terrible that the brother-in-law 
had to go through all that, and then he dies right when they're reunited. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was pretty awful. Oh, man, that was, yeah. I felt bad for that character because <clears throat> you really got shorted on that. Yeah. I was hoping he'd make it through. <clears throat> um, you know, because he seemed like such a dumbass, you figured he was going to die right away. Yeah. You were like, oh, brother-in-law's, you know, zombie suit immediately. But when that doesn't happen, you, you end up kind of rooting for him, and then he, he gets shot and killed. So, Did this remind you of Land of the Dead? Yes. Of course. I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people going on raids, and then there's uh, people in better situations who are staying behind and hiding in their towers. Yeah, it made me think of the Land of the Dead he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. 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 Much more use of the, the war wagon out on the streets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had, that's funny you bring that up because that's just the kind of thought I had was like, this is a better version of Land of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I wanted Land of the Dead to be better than it was. Oh, God, Everybody yeah. did. Yeah, and it wasn't the worst zombie movie you've ever seen, but, give you know, it, it was, there were enough good parts um, and I'm referring to the actors, the writers, directors, there were enough good parts that should have assembled into a greater thing than that movie. Yeah. I, I went to see that twice. Ooh. I, I remember cause, cause it was, it was a big studio. He thought, well, maybe they'll let him do what he wants. Uh, unlikely, but maybe, uh, and he's got money. He's got a cast, uh, a bit more spectacle. Ace, special effects team this might be great and then watching it and it's like man what that one and survival of the dead uh, i watched Mm. with the the, those the two movies where the audience was just angry yeah Mm. at the movie is the survival of the dead the the found footage one uh no it's diary um, survival oh, is where they get out onto the island, but there's certain scenes where it builds up to it, and you think, well, Romero back then would have gone, uh, would have taken this scene to the limit, and you'd have seen something really horrible, and uh, and the audience is like getting really pumped up for it, and then he he doesn't do it; it just uh, lets you off every time, and the audience yeah. is just so mad about those. Yeah, it seems like four years into the apocalypse, there wouldn't be much rating left to do. And that's why I think this heist with the truckload of money works as as a motivation for the characters. But <clears throat> I wanted to rewatch this and it, somehow it wasn't available, but um, I don't know why. I don't know if it was just... How, really? I don't know. What, land, land of the Dead? No, no. Um, Peninsula? Peninsula. Peninsula? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was because of the device I was trying to pull it up on or what the deal, but uh, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. The, what I wanted to catch on the rewatch was, had money not become worthless because people were mm-hmm. people were surprised? Well, only the, the reason it worked in this movie, uh, which was clever, is... Only the Korean Peninsula is zombie infected, and it's been shut off okay. from yeah. the rest of the world. So that made sense that people in Hong Kong uh, would want that money. It's U.S. money. I suppose people in the U.S. would want that money if they knew it was there. Uh, it just happens to be uh, a Hong Kong crew that figures it out. I'm not. I don't. Not quite clear. Uh, Basically, they decided, I guess, you know, nobody's there except zombies. Let's go get that money. And the crew that got it put it in that truck and got it to the bridge. And then they were killed. Um, and But they know the, the money's somewhere in that area. Uh, and that's why they send those four in. Right. For Korean citizens. So they know their way around. Right. Uh, and I do like the fact that a taxi driver is is kind of your uh, your badass getaway driver, because in real life that is definitely how it would be. Yeah. How did you guys like the little girl with the uh, remote control car driving? Oh, the kids were great. Yeah, I thought that was. She drives that little car, and her 
older sister drives a real car. Yeah. I mean, as a distraction tool, it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that there's a, an RC car that has that many bells and whistles on it was kind of impressive, but they, I'm sure they make things like that. I was more astonished by the cleared roads. Like it didn't seem like. Yeah. I, I kind of thought at first that that was a trap. Yeah. That they, you know, the roads were cleared on purpose. Cause you figure that's not just going to be zombies over there when they get there. It's going to be, you know, uh, uh, other people who were left behind, uh, perhaps other people who are, have the same idea yeah. of, uh, you know, robbing whatever bank or, you know, whatnot. Um, so yeah, I kind of thought, Oh, this is leading them somewhere. Yeah, the real monsters in zombie movies should almost always be the the non-zombie humans. Yeah. Yeah, the, the I guess the zombies are in this actually are dead so they could survive uh that 4 years without other people to eat or were they eating each other? Clearly not. They were trapped in that that pedestrian bridge that he shot at the end. So, you know, but that, that's a, a dumb question to have in a zombie movie. Isn't it? <laughs> what, what are they eating? Yeah. I've, I've read something about the biology of zombies. Like uh, if in, in the event of a zombie apocalypse along the lines of a Romero zombie, um, you'd have to hide out for a week and then you'd be okay because, uh, they 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 wouldn't be able to keep going. Yeah, well, that's uh, kind of what happens in a, a twenty eight days, uh, twenty eight weeks later. Is the zombies are kind of gone because they they all starve to death. So yeah, despite the problems that movie had, I don't remember caring for it too much. Not like the original one with Sandra Bullock. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm still that joke. Uh. yeah you can you can use that joke all you want i like it <laughs> I, you know i think she could be a, a good zombie fighter Ooh. i mean you know like in the in the in the tradition of linda hamilton in the terminator movies sure yeah yes yeah. <laughs> yeah sandra bullock's just a little you know, softer expressions and features, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that makes her more approachable to the audience and um, less suspicious to the zombies as she takes them out. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, sure. Yeah. Just throwing, throwing out that idea. Um, were you... Uh, were you guys okay with how, how many times our hero just barely escapes getting killed. I mean, th- that's what a hero should do, but was it just too many narrow escapes or was it, are we okay with it? It was a little overdone by about the third time, maybe the fourth time. Uh, but, you know, again, it's a, it's an action movie. Those things happen. Yeah. You just have to accept them. I think. Yeah. If it started out as one kind of movie and then turned into that, it would, it would be a problem. But yeah, it never. I don't think it ever presented itself as anything but a straight action movie mm-hmm. from from the very beginning. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting at the end where it it had both little both the little girl and her, and her sister express this opinion that life wasn't so bad in zombie ridden. Uh, Korea because it was normal to them <laughs> and I guess that would be the case especially if you were very little like yes. that the littlest girl uh, uh, Eugene uh, she was like two maybe and two or four when they you know two or three when the apocalypse broke out yeah uh, so yeah she wouldn't know anything different and I suppose it'd be kind of the same for her older sister so yeah. I, I thought that was that was a message I hadn't seen in a zombie movie before. Normalizing. You know, 
yeah, all the adults were like, this was hell. And it was, but the little kids were like, yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah, yeah I, I can imagine them going overseas into safety and having to go to school again and <laughs> just, oh, yeah. just having complete, you know, like veterans. Uh, like PTSD. Problem. Yeah, yeah. Not, people just not understanding where they come from. Oh, totally. Oh, and probably some some amount of uh, hostility when they did find out where they came from because there'd be that fear that, oh, could they be carrying the zombie plague? Right, right. Even if that was completely unfounded, you know, somebody out there is going to think it. And uh, they're used to dealing with problems by uh, just slaughtering, <laughs> slaughtering everyone in sight. Yeah. True. Wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, you, You'd have to move to Oklahoma where they allow you to run over pedestrians. Mm. Yeah. Is, that, is that right? You're not allowed to back over more than twice. No, no. <laughs> you can only hit them with the front of your car going forward. And they have to be protesting something, or you thought they were protesting. <laughs> so, how did you like the way the whole thing wrapped up? With the UN coming in, saving them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a spoiler. We spoiled the features. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a cute little thing because you think Grandpa's kind of nuts when he's there. You're like, mm, I don't think that radio works, Grandpa. You're not talking to Major Jane. Major Jane doesn't even sound like a real person. Right. Uh, you know, uh, it's and you think that he's just doing it to kind of give some hope to mm -hmm. to his granddaughters. Yes. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a standard sort of trope. So it was kind of fun when the end, you know, oh, here comes Major Change. Yes. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny. They made them seem very ineffectual. <laughs> um, as I suppose the UN would be. Yeah. They're... But I mean, they flew in and got everyone out that was there. So. Yeah, they're not the Marines, but, you know. No. But they're but they're well connected and they know their way around. So I'll give it to them. Yeah. So um, if we've uh, kind of covered enough of the plot stuff and the character stuff, I uh, want to do the recommends. Yeah. Um, Will, I recommend it. You do. All right. Um, if you had to put this uh, up against the original Train to Busan, I mean, obviously. I think we've all expressed we like that better. Would you say watch them both in succession or do, does each one stand alone? How do you feel about that? I think each one stands alone enough. I don't think you'd have to watch the first one. I think if you had the choice of the two, you only have time to watch one, watch the first one. Yeah. Um, but if you hadn't seen the first one and this is on Prime and you want to see it, you're not going to be left out. You're not going to miss very much. They cover everything at the very beginning with a little uh, American talk show that seemed very uh, tacked on. I know. Uh, yeah, tacked on, but I also felt a, a bit on the nose. It, it, they seemed very uh, clueless and, uh, and uh, what am I trying to say? But, uh, but it's clearly uh, there for exposition. It, yeah, it was exposition. But at the same time, they're like, uh, Busan, am I pronouncing that right? Like, they don't know a damn thing about Korea. They don't really care about Korea being run overrun with zombies. You get kind of the feeling at the beginning with that. And, and the way the people in, in Hong Kong are acting is like, uh, the whole world said, fuck Korea. Who cares? Right. Uh, so... Uh, but, yeah, you don't have to watch the other one. But, but I would. Yeah. Jolien, how about you? The recommends. Yeah, I, I, I recommend it. Uh, it was a good ride. Um, I'd say the Train to Busan is the essential one. Yeah. Um, which is one of the great horror movies of the century. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, not essential, but fun. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely train to Busan is the gem here. 
And, uh, yeah, I recommend it as well. And normally I'll, I'll ask when we're wrapping it up, Hey, you know, do you think non-horror fans clearly not, um, you know, it's got a little too much, you know, crazy, uh, zombie attacks. The, the peril, the gore is probably more than a non-horror fan is going to be able to stand. But, uh, all in all, I mean, it's, I've seen non-horror fans really enjoy themselves watching Shaun of the Dead, but it's a comedy, you know, as well as being a horror movie. And the comedy is so strong, I think, that people can handle that one even with the gore and the zombie stuff. But this one, it's just too, I think it's more than this one and Train to Busan and a handful of other ones that we've talked about in the past are just like, they're so good and you kind of want other people to experience them, but they're not going to be able to hang. <laughs> but yeah, this is a good one. Um, I don't know. I think Train to Busan for, for the goriness, I think actually is pretty good general audience movie. Yes. Um, I think, again, I go back to the cleverness, and I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but in Train to Busan, they make a deal out of the zombies being blind in the dark. Yeah. And it fits into the plot. This, it felt like the zombies being blind in the dark was there because it had been in the original film. Yeah. It didn't add very much. I mean, they used it like in the car chase. They have the big lights in the cars to draw the zombies to them. Uh, they do the flares. They use it, but it, it didn't feel... Uh, it was used in quite the same way as it was in Train to Busan. But uh, there's a tangent. Anyway, I think Train to Busan, if you could get over the the bit of the gore, bit of the horror aspects, I think uh, I think most people would enjoy it. I think... <laughs> I don't think people are quite as sensitive. I mean, maybe your grandmother or your <laughs> your uh, under four crowd probably shouldn't be watching these, but <laughs> yeah, maybe under ten. I don't know. If I was ten, I would have loved Train to Busan. It'd be my favorite movie of all sure, the time. Sure, sure. <laughs> but what were you saying about the use uh, the lights and the, the zombies? It's my favorite image in the in Peninsula is where he uh, shines the lights on the. Uh, the stairs to the station. That's yeah. That yeah. is a fantastic scene. And when it comes back around, yeah, because oh, that uh, pays off really I don't know. Well. Yeah, I didn't quite realize what they were in when he first saw them. You could just tell there's glass. I didn't know mm -hmm. they were in that pedestrian bridge until they pass it later. So yeah, it was a good payoff. Good setup. Good payoff. The movie does that a uh, couple times. You know. Yes. Um, which is always good, you know. Yeah, uh, same it thing what with, it's doing as a crowd pleaser. Exactly. The uh, the woman that they pass, you know, she turns up later. And like Richard, I had forgotten about her. Yeah. Uh, I took it as, you know, she wouldn't be back in the movie. Uh, you kind of realize, wow, if that little girl had, had gone with them, she would probably be dead now. Um, it was actually better that they got left behind. Yeah. Although you don't know what happened to her, to her father, I guess the the man with the bloody shirt at the beginning uh, was husband father uh, to that group, but uh, not sure. I uh, also don't know. I guess the teenage girl was with grandpa. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, not important. Um, but yeah. Yeah this this one was outstanding. I'm glad we uh, I'm, I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. Uh, whose turn is it to pick the next one? I'm picking next. Do you have something in mind? Yes. What is it? I want to watch The Gate. <laughs> the Gate? You remember The Gate? Yeah, it's yeah. not The Pit, but sometimes gets mistaken for it. Yes. Yeah, let's let's watch The Gate. I, yeah, I picked The Pit too, didn't I? Oh, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, rem I don't know why, but it occurred to me... Uh, this week, I was like, hmm, The Gate. I, I enjoyed that movie, but I've not seen it in 30 years now. Do you know what's, um, what it's on? I believe it's on a bunch of the free uh, with commercial things like Tubi, Plex, okay. uh, maybe Crackle, uh, Pop, uh, Make yeah. Up. Uh, 
Snap. Yeah. Sling. Yeah, there's a bunch of Burb. bunch of different ones. <laughs> some real, some imagined. Yeah, the gate. Yeah, let's let's watch that. The thing. gate. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll have see a... see how it holds up. Did you know there's another chewing the scenery podcast? No. What? I think it started a year or so ago, but it's about Broadway. Oh, really? So they waited till the pandemic and they just didn't even look to see if there's another thing with the same name. Yeah. I hope they have a shit ton of people looking for them and they find us instead. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. When are they going to talk about Broadway? Yeah. Why do they keep talking about zombies? Yeah. What is the deal with these guys? How long before we get a zombie musical on Broadway? You gotta wonder. Oh, I don't know. They've they've done Evil Dead, haven't they? Yes. Oh, have they? Yes. Musical. I would totally watch oh, man. that. So where's we the Night see, of the Living Dead music? We went to see the one with uh, our old boss. <laughs> That's right. Night of the Living Dead. The stage play? Yeah. And, oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Where As soon as it started, I was like, uh, they're going to do Thriller at the end, aren't they? You you know I I don't know how you knew that but you were not wrong. It just felt like it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The whole cast lined up and went into the thriller dance. Wouldn't you know? Mm. Uh, yeah. I'm glad I experienced it because I would be having a hard time believing it if someone was just telling me about it. So <laughs> we went and saw it. <sighs> yeah. And uh, Rian- didn't they do the Reanimator opera or something like that? Yep, yep. Yeah. Man, I want to see Jeffrey Combs. In fact, I'm going to pick something with Jeffrey Combs in it. Maybe not my next pick, but soon. Because I've made it a point to find his interviews on a couple of different podcasts. And uh, I really, and I've met the guy, and I really like him, and I like his mm. perspective. And I just think that... Um, between him and, and the rest of the, the cast, you know, um, Bruce Abbott and, and uh, uh, Barbara Crampton, just what a great bunch of actors in, in such an obscure film that got such a strong following. It's, it's like I put uh, Reanimator and Evil Dead sort of on, on the same shelf as far as like things I have such reverence for. And it's just like the perfect storm or lightning in a bottle, whatever uh, cliche you want to use, but they nailed it with some of this stuff. And I look at uh, Stuart Gordon and, and, uh, and Henenlotter and uh, Sam Raimi. I look at some of these guys as just so visionary with such a strange execution and such a strange view. And it just makes me think, well, there's more that these, these actors have done and we should be uh, having a look. I mean, like the Frighteners, for example. Jeffrey Combs oh, yes. creates this amazing character in that one. And and uh, something like that will be one of my picks really soon. But I'm looking forward to seeing what, what up with the gate. Because I, I, saw, no, I saw it once a long time ago. Like, yeah, I haven't thought of the Frighteners since I saw it in the theater. When yeah. It came out. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, maybe that's going to be the one. I'll have to see if it's available somewhere that we can all watch it. And, yeah. and I still, I'm yeah. on the lookout for, I've got it, so. Oh, you do. Cool. Um, do you have, they live? Yes. Okay. Cause I'm going to pick up a copy of that for myself and, and will is close enough by, I can share it with him. We'll do that one at some point in the future as well. Cause it's, we do, do they live No, We've talked about it a couple of times. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I picked they live. Mm, are you sure? Maybe you did. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure we did. They live. We're not. Yes. Yeah. Probably a year ago. Okay. I would not. Uh, I think it was. I think it was. Uh, oh, it came up with, uh, with, with after this. Uh, Hell comes to Frogtown slash They Live was an episode. Yes. Yes, there it is. It okay. was the Rowdy Rowdy Piper special. Yes, it was. The, yes, it was. Okay, so I guess it won't get its own episode. But I'm still on the lookout for the Hitcher, you know the. Oh, okay. That's coming out on Blu-ray this Ru- year. The Rucker Hauer one. Okay, good. 
Uh, yeah, they've. Um, it's out on VHS. <laughs> if you're willing to go to the Goodwill. Yeah. Uh, I got a dollar. Releasing it second site. Um, but they've got all these elements, and uh, they're in varying conditions. Yeah, they they got a, a bunch of elements, different different prints, and uh, they're they're doing the best they can with what they have, um, so that so that they can put out the best edition they can. Um, but it's on its way. Good. I'm going to look forward to that. That that's that's been a favorite of mine for a lot of years. Well, guys, should we uh, get out of here so we can all go watch the gate as quickly as possible? Sure. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. No, I don't watch them until Saturday or I'll forget them by Sunday. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I should be watching them right before the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being, you know, fresh. I know what you mean. Well, let's, uh, let's call it a show and get out of here. Um, and, uh, do this again next week. Hopefully with, right. a, with a better zoom connection. Yes. Uh, <laughs> listeners, thank you for listening. Catch the closing line. <laughs>